I'm Dave Monaco, the Allemeyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. This episode will drop on Monday, November 2nd, a day before Election Day. I don't know about you, but I am ready for it all to be over, for the commercials to cease, for the yard signs to come down, and for my social media feeds to clear of all things election-related. In this final pre-election episode, I wanted to have one last conversation about listening and seeking togetherness, even across chasms of difference in identity and perspective. If you are a National Public Radio listener, you may be familiar with the Story Corps segment that typically runs on Friday mornings. Since 2003, Story Corps has helped people feel more connected and reminded us of the worth in each of our stories. In the Story Corps recording booth, people come together and have powerful conversations. The microphone becomes an entree, if you will, to a discussion they might not otherwise have had. In 2018, StoryCorps launched a new initiative called One Small Step, and I'm excited today to have its director, Stacy Todd, as my guest. One Small Step was conceived to take the StoryCorps premise of powerful conversations one step further, pairing individuals with different political views together so as to break down the boundaries politics can often create and remind us, in doing so, of our shared humanity. Stacy will tell us the one small step origin story and help us understand the lessons it teaches to those of us who are interested in building skills ourselves and in the students with whom we work to have civil and respectful conversations. Enjoy this discussion with Stacy Todd from StoryCorps' One Small Step. Stacey Todd, thank you for joining me on the From My Angle podcast. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. From Grand Rapids, Michigan. It, um, again, I'm setting new domains of guests coming in from all sorts of places these days, and I'm glad to, glad to have you. In this month of October, I've been speaking with individuals uh, with particular insights uh, on having difficult conversations, and this is really aligned with my year-long theme from uh, the Paris School community, uh, talking about what it means to be together, and sometimes... Um, coming together is either um, made more difficult or can be made more pleasing if we're able to have those difficult conversations. And I thought especially so in the shadows of the November election, I think we'll post this one uh, sometime around November 2nd, maybe the day before the election. In fact, I wanted to talk to someone who's um, been involved with a project that's really centered on having difficult um, uh, conversations. So thank you for uh, taking some time to join. You're very welcome. So you direct the One Small Step initiative, which we'll get to know in a few minutes, but One Small Step is part of the larger StoryCorps project, which launched um, almost two decades ago now, and uh, public radio aficionados may have heard it on national public radio. Give us a little origin of StoryCorps and its purpose. Sure. Um, uh, StoryCorps was founded in 2003 by our founder, Dave Isay. It started out as a recording booth in Grand Central Terminal, and it's a really simple idea. It's um, this idea that you bring someone that you love, someone that you know, like your grandmother or your neighbor or your sister, to our recording booth. You have a 40-minute conversation that's recorded. Um, there is a StoryCorps facilitator present, and um, mostly they're there to make sure the audio equipment is working properly. The conversation is guided, um, self-guided with you and your um, the person that you bring in. And the, the idea is just that you have an intimate conversation. 
Um, Dave likes to say that a lot of people think about it as if I had 40 minutes left to live, like what would I say to this person that means so much to me? Then at the end of the conversation, you get a copy and a copy goes to the Library of Congress at the American Folklife Center. That's where we have our whole archive. And I think it's over 650,000 um, people in this country have had the opportunity to participate now. And it's a free public service. So um, we try to, to offer the service to as many people as we can, but we are a small nonprofit organization. So we yes, have our mobile are. tour um, that travels the country. Well, before the pandemic, the mobile tour physically traveled the country year round. Right now we're doing a lot of virtual interviews. But so basically to answer your question, StoryCorps is an organization that records and preserves the stories of humanity. And, and that's a great mission statement. You a lot of times play on Fridays on National Public Radio, but you can also go to the website, just Google StoryCorps. And they're terrific. There are samples of the conversations there. They've also been put to um, cartoons. Animations, so, yeah. Yeah, animations. yeah. On you, I would highly encourage all of your listeners to go to YouTube and search for StoryCorps. Um, and our animations are one of the best ways for people to see what we do. And to take young, take young people, um, little people, in to understand these uh, conversations uh, th themselves. So let's think, uh, let's go back to you know your experience with StoryCorps. You've been uh, working with them since 2013. Is there an example of one just to kind of bring it home to our listeners? that really resonates with you as a, a memorable StoryCorps experience or one of these conversations uh, oh, a chord? It's so hard to just choose one. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I was telling you earlier that I traveled the country and record. I, so I facilitated StoryCorps conversations for over like 300 people or 300 interviews. And like, there's certain ones that I'll never forget for lots of different reasons. But I guess if I was going to recommend a story to um, your listeners, one of my favorite ones is one of our animations called um, Eyes on the Stars. And it's the story of Ron McNair, who was the astronaut um, on the Challenger um, in the 1980s, but his, he was a black man and his story, his, the recording is his brother talking about them when they were young and the difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that one. So good. Yeah. Yes. It's one of my, it's one of my favorites. So I would encourage people to read that or to watch that one. It just gives me chills. When either I his it. mother or his grandmother, right? Stacy, that would take him to the, um, to the library to, to read books. In, yeah. Uh, in a well, I, no, I think he actually, the story goes that he like would, he snuck down to the library one day right. and that particular library wasn't meant for black people. Segregated. And yes. So his, I think his mother got called down and, um, but yeah, I think, but now that the th my favorite thing about the story is that now that library is named after him. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so d definitely go to YouTube and, and Google some of those. I I'm wondering because in my last interview with Michelle Kinder from the Momentous Institute here, we talked a lot about the emotional barriers to having difficult conversations. There's actually a pre-anxiety to even entering them. So I'm wondering through your experience, what you found that has um, brought these volunteers to willingly come and be vulnerable with one another in a way that they know is going to be documented in the Library of Congress and then, you know, it's going to go out on public airways potentially. Like, what do you think it is that brings them to this moment to have these yeah. conversations? I do think it, it takes like courage for sure um, just to participate in StoryCorps, but I think there's really this um, desire 
the fact that it's recorded and archived at the Library of Congress is a big driver for why people want to do this because they're they're not even thinking about somebody hearing it like now because the truth is like it's a very small percentage of our recordings ever end up on the radio so the vast majority of them are just sitting in the archive and the only way um you know if you went and you didn't want anybody to hear your recording there's um options for you to keep it private and um i think but the draw is that like your great 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 grandchildren could hear your voice and hear your, about your life mm -hmm. and i think people people are really interested in that concept and like like for me for example i've interviewed my mom for storycore also my dad and i i love it that those recordings exist um another thing that um we say is that people bring their best selves to StoryCorps. Like when you're sitting down in front of a microphone, even if you want to ask difficult questions or questions that you've never asked before, something about having the microphone in front of you, whether you're asking or answering a question, it makes you like think more like big picture and more broadly. I feel like it, I don't know, there's something that the microphone does. And as founder Dave Isay said, that's a pretty evocative question. Like if you had 40 minutes left with someone, yeah, right, what would you want to say? What you wanted to say that is a pretty compelling way to think about um, the, the the power of your of your message. Yeah, but this is part of why I wanted to dig in with you because in this period of rancor, I work with young people. I'm curious as to how to skill them up to do these kinds of conversations better. You mentioned the microphone, which is interesting to me as a potential uh, uh, source of like that documentation of the notion of it being a legacy maybe is a draw but i wonder too about its simplicity you know it's face to face um you know you're in a you're in a very kind of small booth there's no technology involved except for the recording material like exactly are, you know what do you what, what are your observations on like the format of story that what it could teach us all more broadly at a time when difficult conversations seem to be out of our reach in, in, right like, I do think that you hit on something there that like we very intentionally make it an intimate space. The lights are low, the you're sitting like at a booth, like you, like almost like you're at a diner um, and you're just across from the person that you're talking to. So that's all you see. And we encourage people, well, we request that they turn off their cell phones and there's no distractions. It's not very often that you're sitting across from somebody with no distractions, not even like food to eat for 40 minutes and your only task is to ask and answer questions and to talk so in if you practice active listening that it can be a very profound experience um we so people usually bring in a list of questions that they want to ask their partner but i always encourage the participants to think or to really listen closely and like follow your curiosity. You don't have to go to the next prepared question. Like if your partner says something that really interests you or surprises you, follow that. You've hit on some through themes from our conversations of this month on this notion of deep listening. One, the, the importance of, of active listening. But Michelle Kinder in our recent episode two talked about understanding the outcome of the conversation. Like where do you want this conversation to go? Right. What is it that you see on the other side of it that is a release and resonant to you? And in envisioning that, it helps lessen the anxiety to enter into the vulnerable space of conversation. And then I hear you talking about the importance of setting, you know, lower setting matters, low lights, uh, no distraction, um, a sense of intimacy. I think these are really good lessons for us to think about and how we um, 
create environments for our own students to have uh, the types of conversations on challenging topics and issues that really matter. So speaking of challenging topics, like this is how StoryCorps moved to one small step in 2018. And this to point is really why I came and found you and, and wanted to talk with you all about this. So tell us the origin story then of one small step. Sure. Um, again, our, in 2016, it was our founder, Dave Isay, who um, was disturbed by the rancor of the presidential election. And, you know, we've been perfecting this model of bringing people together and recognizing our shared humanity for, you know, at that point, it had been what, like 14 years or something. And, um, and he thought maybe the StoryCorps model could help heal some of the divides in our country. So, um, you know, the model had been working really well for, for all that time. And for one small step, we really had to break the StoryCorps model because the one amazing thing about the traditional StoryCorps model is that you're bringing somebody that you love to the booth and you have this automatic, like you already have a very old connection with this person. So now we're trying to see if we can bring strangers into the booth and see if we can use the StoryCorps model to um, help them recognize each other as like somebody who's very similar to themselves. So it's based on um, something called contact theory in psychology. It, um, it's a very studied theory and it's, a, it's about turning thems into us's. So mm -hmm. we basically on the outside, a one small step conversation looks sort of similar to a traditional story core conversation, but really they don't have very much in common because you have to spend like the first chunk of time getting to know each other. And we intentionally, we tell people that the conversation, the purpose isn't meant to talk about or to debate politics or policy. The point of the conversation is really just to get to know somebody who's unlike yourself and to figure out how they arrived at the beliefs they hold. So um, we have a set of ground rules that we put on the table. Well, pre-pandemic times, we put it on the table. Now we're doing these virtually. So we just make sure they each have seen the ground rules and we pop them into the chat. But some of the ground rules are like, you know, don't interrupt each other, share the time equally speak for yourself only. Don't try to represent a whole group of people. Um, don't make assumptions about your partner. Those are some of our ground rules. So, and we've, and like we say, people bring their best selves to StoryCorps and this conversation is being recorded. So they, they have genuine curiosity about each other, but they very, very, very rarely go wrong. Like people, um, people are usually very polite in these conversations. So we, I guess I should say we match the pairs of strangers based on their political beliefs. So we have folks fill out a questionnaire in advance of the recording or in advance when they say that they're interested, we have them fill out a questionnaire and then we match them based on like differences. Basically we look, we try to find people who are, who are mostly different but might share like some sliver of commonality. I mean, all people do have some level of commonality, but sometimes it's really obvious and it, it, you see pairs of people that might make really good matches. So it's like the opposite of like online dating services, you know, we're like trying to find people who are really different from each other. So yeah, that's the basics of one small step. Yeah. And it's really amazing. Again, there's one on the webpage that you can go and see, uh, see and listen to of a woman who's Muslim who wore a hajib and then a, a man 
who was a Trump supporter, who had a MAGA hat. And the central point of commonality was that at a rally, this gentleman was having his hat removed, his MAGA hat forcefully removed. And this woman who had no political um, alliance or allegiance to this man could empathize yeah. with someone grabbing at his head garment or his yeah. headwear. And yeah. that was the point of connection for them, right? And so um, that led to them asking these questions that you refer to, to just like, tell me how, you know, tell me how you came to be who you are, right? They were just exploring each other's identity that way. So it was really powerful. Yeah, um, that was, um, it's Joseph Wideneck and Amina Amdin, that conversation. And yeah, I would encourage your listeners to check that one out too. Um, yeah, there was just this moment, I think she says in the recording that that's just not right. You don't do that to somebody. And she, like, on a very human level, she's like a wonderful spokesperson for one small step, because that's, that's, that's all it is. It's like, you can see that maybe, maybe they have different political beliefs, but like, you can see that they're both human and that that's not right. Like that there's a way, there's decent ways to treat each other. And we need to get back to that. And he says in that conversation, not to dwell on it too much, but because it, it just, again, speaks to us as you and me and the people that I work with and my community and the students I work with. He says, you know, you were the only, uh, the first Muslim person that I ever had really known. So my understanding of a Muslim was curated for me by the news that I saw and the articles that I read. And so to get to know a Muslim person um, from a, a human point of view was so powerful to him. And that again is a larger lesson for all of us as educators and as parents about really helping our, our, our children, our students have, uh, as you say, points of contact, that contact theory, right? Like to come in points of contact with people whose ideas are different, whose backgrounds are different, whose identities are different as a really powerful way for human connection and to come together with people. Yeah, absolutely. Have you found it harder to find volunteers to come into one small step sessions than the traditional story core because of that difference that you talk about around affinity and connection and obvious difference in backgrounds have been harder? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely a little bit harder all around. It's a more complicated project. Um, there's a lot more like logistics work that goes into it. Um, but people, um, people are a little hesitant because they're not sure how it's going to turn out. So we have to do quite a bit of reassuring that like the large majority of these conversations go really well. And in fact, like a lot of these people, these people who were strangers create bonds and like a, a huge chunk of our recordings end with them exchanging their contact information. Wow. Yeah. They, so they, they usually, because the recordings tend to be about 40 minutes long and that's they with strangers that isn't really enough time. I mean, we can't keep extending the length of the conversations because people like, you know, have lives to live, but um, they usually want to continue the conversation, which is a really cool and reassuring um, thing that's happening. And how often does the facilitator in one small step need to come in and uh, facilitate, arbitrate, mediate, uh, or otherwise, uh, you know, uh, move the conversation along? That's a good question. It's less than you would think, actually. Um, every once in a while, there is a pairing where like one person's really a talker and the other person isn't, and then they have to jump in because we really do want people to share the time, but it's not like they have to like, uh, be a referee usually, you know, that's not very, um, often. And what our goal is, is really to get the conversation flowing. So the facilitator doesn't have to jump in 
So it doesn't happen as often as you'd think. So in wrapping up, I mean, from your position, if you were talking to an educator or parent and they want to equip young people in their charge with the skills they need to have the types of conversations that you stage in the one small step environment, you know, what would you distill from our conversation today or your own experience are important um, places to start or points of emphasis to, to convey to our young people that we work with as parents or educators? Um, well, I think it's just a couple of really simple things. I think that, um, you know, and kids are curious, so they're like the perfect people to be doing this kind of stuff, but recognizing that everybody has a story that every single person you see walking around, like has some, some wisdom that you can be, um, gleaned. And another thing, just back to what we were talking about earlier is like setting aside space and time for these kinds of conversations. That's the most important thing to me. Our lives are so busy. So you're never gonna just stumble upon this, like it's not ever just gonna fall into your lap. You have to really like make the time or seek it out, you know, the time and space. So um, I don't know if those are, those are some pretty general advice, but um, and I, I'm happy to, um, you know, we have some resources for students too, not specific to one small step quite yet. We might in the future, but StoryCorps has a lot of resources for educators and students if you're interested in, um, you know, I, and we have online platforms now that are free for everyone to use. Um, StoryCorpsConnect.org is a good place to start. Um, but yeah, students are wonderful. Um, I think that uh, around Thanksgiving time is a really good time to sit down with some elders or, you know, virtually if it's not um, okay to do it in person yet, but we, um, we have a lot of resources available for that too. I think if uh, we also just emphasized your all's mission statement that uh, bringing people together to find our common humanity, you know, if we really just strove collectively to recognize the common humanity that we have, um, and, and use that as our own organizing credo, it would help yeah. um, us all a lot to soothe our communities and to move yeah. forward together, you know, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, one of my favorite um, quotes that Dave often um, refers to is Mother Teresa said something like, we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And yep. we need, you know, I, I like in this, especially during this election season, I would like us all to remember that we are all one and we belong to each other. So what a great way to end. And thank you for taking the time to visit me today. And I commend our community and my community of listeners to um, head to the StoryCorps site, head to the StoryCorps YouTube site um, to really just listen to some powerful stories, be inspired by them, and hopefully have them model for you the fact that we can all do this. We can see through our anxiety and our our, our fear uh, of being vulnerable and have difficult conversations that bring us together. Thanks, Stacey Todd. We appreciate yeah. it so much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. In our next episode, we will shift our focus from coming together through listening and conversation to how we come back together after a break in relationship. Upcoming episodes will feature discussions around forgiveness and reconciliation with experts, including our students, as we explore how it is we heal once we are hurt. To get our discussions on this topic going, I'm excited to have Father Josh Whitfield, the pastoral administrator at my parish, St. Rita, and Mother Alina Williams, our own chaplain here at Parish's Midway Campus, to help us begin to understand what faith calls us to consider when it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation. 
Until then, thanks for listening to the From My Angle podcast.